most people or many people feel more connected in certain ways to their animals than they do even to other people in their household or to their parents. And A of all, that's totally okay. That's a real thing that people feel. But B, when that intimacy is gone and that routine is gone, it's devastating. It's disorienting. It's shocking. And your brain, frankly, doesn't know what to do. And you're not being validated by society. Hello, and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right into today's episode. Today on the podcast, we have Beth Bigler. Beth is a double certified pet loss grief counselor and certified pet chaplain and a certified end-of-life animal companion doula. Beth and I met through Instagram, following each other's accounts, and I am so excited for you guys to hear her story and get to learn more about her services. It's such an important topic and something that a lot of times people really do not give the weight it's needed when somebody has the death of a pet. Welcome, Beth. Thank you, Kendra. Thank you so much for having me and for being on this mission with me to help validate and normalize pet loss grief. I am so excited you're on and I forgot to say the other aspect. You're a mom and a wife. And so let's talk about your family life first and then we'll go into family life, including pets. Well, I currently live in Annapolis, Maryland, um, a beautiful sailing kind of town, home of the Naval Academy. And I recently relocated here from Los Angeles, which has been my home base for most of my life. I had a career in film and television, and I um, love Los Angeles. But when I became pregnant and decided to have a family, I wanted to be here so I could be closer to my family and raise my kid around his cousins. So here I am in Annapolis. And then I was, now, so when you grew up there, then how old were you when you moved to LA? Did you move there for work? Oh boy, how do we do that short, Kendra? Oh, Actually, oh I, okay, I, okay. I how do up... we do that? Go ahead, go ahead. Let's go. We said before we started recording, you said, "Take me on this ride." Okay, here we go on this ride. Let's go memory lane a little bit. I well, like people to get to know. I I feel that a lot of times people connect us to the person. There's so many of us that do different types of work and the same type of work. And in reality, when they connect to you, when they're going to reach out to you is not just because of what you do, but of who you are. So your story is really valid. So please take us on that journey. Awesome. So I was born and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Go blue. I uh, had a very happy uh, childhood surrounded by a lot of University of Michigan football and fandom. <laughs> and I went to boarding school when I was 14 to Interlochen Arts Academy up in northern Michigan, where it snows from October to May. 
And I was a creative writing major. So I studied a lot of different types of creative writing. And when I was 18 years old, I started winning a lot of big competitions for creative writing. I ended up getting plays produced in Los Angeles and New York, um, being honored at the White House for my writing. And that all kicked off a career for me in writing and entertainment. So I actually started working professionally at 18 in film and television. So after Michigan, I ended up going to New York City for seven years. I went to NYU Film School. I did my undergraduate and then I got my graduate degree. And then I moved to Los Angeles and started working full time in film and television. And then Los Angeles became my home base for for the rest of adulthood, basically. That's what is that where you met your now husband? I met my now husband in high school. Um, we are not high school sweethearts, but uh, we were good friends in high school, and we maintained that friendship over the years and had the good fortune of reconnecting as adults at just the right time. You know, I, uh, I'm glad we weren't together since high school. I'm glad that we uh, were a little more growing up and seasoned before we met. Uh, and so uh, I've known him over 20 years, but uh, we've only been married since uh -oh, 2018. <laughs> Having known my husband since he was 14, um, knowing him as student body president at our school, uh, and knowing him over the years as a very trustworthy, reliable, loyal person, and, and knowing the people around him, right, in our same community, I had so much trust in who he was as a person and his values that we really had an advantage for that leaping off point. <laughs> that Yes, that is so true. Yeah, trust is there. Tell us about the different pets you had growing up and then and now so yeah, share that sure part. my very first pet was a betta fish named freddy and i have very clear memories i think i was three or four and i really remember when freddy died it was a powerful moment and in fact my dad took a picture of me looking in freddy's bowl uh, when he died and i think that's really profound given the turn my life has taken to do this this work and then i had a gerbil named Jordan and named after a member of the New Kids on the Block, greatest group of all time. <laughs> That's right. And Jordan was the cutest. Let's Jordan get it Knight. Jordan Knight. Jordan Knight. So I had a gerbil named Jordan. And then I graduated to a kitty cat named Madonna. <laughs> oh. Are you sensitive? You are such a music fan. Look at this. Was Freddie after Freddie Mercury? I, I like to think it, it was. was. I like to think it was. In <laughs> retrospect, I hope my three-year-old brain totally did that on purpose. I actually named Madonna. I decided to turn on the radio. It was probably 96.3 FM in Detroit. I probably decided to turn on the radio. And I, I said, I want to name my, my cat the first word I hear. And I turned on the radio and the announcer said, and Madonna. And that's how I got her name. How old were you then? Uh, 11, about fifth grade, I think. Fourth okay. Fifth grade. Yep. So you had Madonna. So I had Madonna. Um, and, you know, Madonna was a troubled cat. Knowing what I know now, it's a really powerful perspective. You know, uh, she had a lot of behavioral things uh, going on with her. I wish I knew what I know now. But it's been really interesting in my work. I work with a lot of people who've had animals who've had some behavioral uh, problems. I have so much compassion for that. And growing up with a cat like Madonna, Madonna was aggressive. She would attack people. She would bite people. I mean, it was really not the kitty cat I dreamed of, right? But I, in, in a way now, looking back, I'm very grateful I had that because it gives me a whole other insight and window uh, when I'm working with clients who have similar struggles. 
And then, I, you know, I was gone. I went to boarding school. I was in New York City. They don't let you have animals in most apartments in, in New York City. But when I moved to Los Angeles, I said, this is it. I'm going to get some grown up adult animals. And so I adopted my cat, Zelda, um, who is now 18 years old. She's a grand dam and she's hanging in there. Uh, and then I actually adopted another cat who was a beautiful Siamese cat. I named him Harley because he had a really good purr. And I had Harley home for six weeks, and the uh, Pasadena uh, Humane Society, where I adopted him from, called me, and they said, we've never had this happen before, but the owner has come forward of that cat that oh. you adopted. And legally, the cat is yours, but if you want to return the cat, you can bring the cat back and drop him off. I said, well, I'm most definitely not dropping the cat off. Uh, you can have the owner call me and we'll discuss because I wanted to know how did this cat get away. <laughs> I needed details. Mm -hmm. So I actually, um, the owner did call and he was lovely and we did end up, I did end up reuniting um, Harley with his owner. Harley's real name was Hector. Um, <laughs> well, you went with an H name. Yeah, you still kept the H name. Yeah, yeah I, thought, I thought it was pretty good. But, you know, the minute that he, that uh, Harley's owner came into my apartment, I could see that that was his cat. You know, I knew and they had that bond mm -hmm. and it was very powerful and I was crying and carrying on, but I knew that it was right to, to give him back. And he'd been home six weeks. It was a long time. Um, and, and mm -hmm. I, it was a big loss for me actually, but I, uh, I knew it was right. So, uh, I gave Harley back and that led me to my soulmate cat, Arnie, whom I think we'll talk more about later. I went to my veterinarian's office and I said, I'm never going to a shelter again. Cause I don't want this thing to happen to me again. That just happened. And I knew my, my vet had some kittens and that is where my soulmate cat, Arnie, uh, was brought to me. Now, currently, uh, Arnie died in 2019. Uh, and in April of this year, we adopted some kittens, two boy kittens. And they are also orange kittens, orange and white like Arnie, because that's my favorite. So now I have Zelda, who's 18, and I have the kittens. And their names are Merwin and Lux, named after two great American poets and mentors of mine, W.S. Merwin and Thomas Lux, both of whom have passed away uh, in recent years. So I've got three cats right now. Zelda's not too happy about the kittens, but we're working on it. It's especially immature because she grew up with Arnie pretty much, right? So we're... We're adjusting. She's adjusting in grand am fashion. It's getting it's getting better, but it's it's been a little tougher adjustment than I anticipated. So I'm I'm working through that and working through my own feelings about that of a little guilt or should I not have you know should we not have welcomed the new kittens etc. So it's again very good for for my work. I you know I, as a as a pet guardian myself, I experience a lot of these feelings. In fact, m one of my kittens got very sick the first week we had him. He was only seven weeks old, and even though the kittens were in a separate room, their sickness transferred to Zelda. It came through on our clothes and she got very ill and was in the ICU for four days. They didn't know if she was going to make it. And I had to go through this whole experience of, oh no, did, did the new kitten did kill Zelda? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it was really um, difficult, but again, a great opportunity for me to be experiencing the range of things um, because this is what my clients are feeling on a daily basis. So Everything you've said about your own life experiences now being, quote unquote, material. I'm going to say the word material because you know it's even this fact that fact that you have done script writing and so forth um, to then be able to relate to your clients is is huge because it is life experiences like that that just kind of teach us not only for ourselves but maybe then tools for someone else. 
So thank you for sharing that. And what gets you through, it's like, okay, okay, this is something that's going to help me be able to navigate somebody else's journey. Or do you, how do you deal with those challenges? I mean, at this point, because I am, you know, I work many hours a day with um, people who are anticipating the loss of an animal companion or who are grieving the loss of an animal companion. My clients are top of mind for me all the time. And so when I am going through something like when when we discovered how sick Zelda was, um, my husband took her. It was very late at night and he, he took her and I looked at her and I really didn't think I'd ever see her again. She was so sick and I really worried this was goodbye, you know, in, in her in her earthly body. And I. Um, I should say, I didn't think I would see her alive again, or I thought the next time I would see her, see her, we might be euthanizing her. And I, the feeling I felt, the rush, that flood of just total grief and fear, um, I had a deep awareness in that moment, like, wow, so many of the people that I'm working with, this is exactly where they are right now today. And of course, I know that because I'm sitting with them and, and experiencing their grief with them. But it's very humbling to be put back in that position myself. So yeah, I would say I have a pretty deep awareness all the time. All the time. Yeah. And, and and I had an awareness then that I needed to call my own pet loss grief counselor <laughs> whom I worked with, you know, in my own process. And I knew to get on the phone with her right away because I have so many tools and strategies and skills to help my clients. And of course I know what they are, but it's very different to implement them on yourself. And sometimes you just really need someone to sit with you and remind you what to do and, you know, how to, how to ground yourself. You know, we all need support, you know, therapists need therapists. <laughs> Absolutely. Just like doctors need another doctor. They can't treat them. They can't do surgery on themselves. Right. So let's talk about Arnie and that experience that was very pivotal in who you are now and what you're doing now. Tell us about Arnie, the relationship, the bond, and you called him your soulmate. Let's talk about him. Oh, Arnie. Wow. Are you ready? Uh, Are you ready? I'm totally ready. I I mean, I just have a a wave of just total euphoria when I think about talking (laughs) about Arnie. You know, Arnie is probably the most accepting soul I have ever encountered in my life. And when I think about my bond with Arnie and my relationship with him, I think of nurturing, acceptance, and total calm. You know, I'm someone who is 24-7, my brain's working, I'm thinking, I'm working on projects, I'm doing things. And when Arnie was around, he just would look at me and he'd be like, Mom, slow down. (laughs) And I would slow down. And so, you know, when I think of the gifts and the lessons and the teaching and the guidance that he brought to my life, he taught me so much about acceptance, so much about enoughness, so much about my own worthiness, so much about, hey, it doesn't matter what mistake you made at work or what expectations other people have of you. At the end of the day, I love you so much and let's snuggle. And his constant faith in me, his constant companionship in me was such an incredible part of my life as I went through many different chapters of my life when we were together. We had 12 years together. And I I am so grateful that I had the kind of relationship in my life where I could feel what it feels like to be totally loved, nurtured, and accepted. And I now know what that's like. And it's much easier for me to receive that now in my life because I had it with him first those are some of the the greatest teachings uh, from him. And we were living a a pretty rock star life together with Zelda in uh, Los Angeles. But when he was 11 years old, he developed 
a mast cell cancer. And when we got that initial diagnosis, they said it was 30 days and he'd be gone. And I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready to accept it. I didn't want to believe it, but I also wanted to die with him. I didn't want to live in a world where Arnie wasn't. And it seemed so unfair. He was only 11. You know, my plan was to get him to live till 30. I brushed his teeth and everything. So I was like, oh, we're doing this. We're doing the long haul, right? Mm -hmm. So um, immediately I started aggressively working on his, you know, treatment plan. But I also realized I needed a lot of help. And so I actually found a therapist and put myself back into regular therapy. And then I found a pet loss grief therapist specifically who um, I could just work on this, this event with. And I felt after speaking with her the first time an immense sense of relief that someone can get me through this because I didn't know how to get through it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could survive. And I didn't know that I could even have a life beyond one with him in it. That, I mean, that's really how I felt in that moment. So we began treating Arnie's cancer and we tried a chemotherapy protocol that was very low maintenance for him and for us. And it was sort of a 50-50, we don't know if this will work, but it did work and he went into remission. And at the same time, I was doing my pet loss grief counseling anticipatory work, getting ready, you know, getting ready for his death, getting ready to say goodbye, figuring out how I could show up for him in his death and really make his transition beautiful and loving and not self-focused on my own tragedy and hysteria, right? Because I needed to be able to show up for him in his sickness and in his death. But he went into remission. And so I didn't have to face that at that moment. And I decided to continue working with my pet loss grief therapist because she was so helpful to me. She helped me understand the relationship. She, she helped me understand that Arnie in many ways had reparented me. He had given me a lot of the things that I didn't ever experience before in my life, feelings I hadn't felt before with, in relationship to another person. And I loved doing this work with her. So I actually continued doing the work with her even once he was in remission and we thought he was going to be fine <laughs> because I had found it so beneficial. And then um, a year after his original diagnosis, he became sick. We didn't know why he was sick because he just had a full blood panel literally the week before. His blood, blood looked good. Everything had looked good. And uh, he was dehydrated. He wasn't eating. We didn't know what was wrong. We took him to the vet. We transferred him to uh, an ICU vet. And it became clear that he had a different type of cancer that had developed, they think, inside a week. And he was dead in four days. He died on the last day of the first trimester of my pregnancy. And uh, I was very grateful that I had done all that anticipatory pet loss grief work so that I could show up and give him a good death. But I also was suffering the experience of being pretty blindsided. I, you know, we were completely shocked. And um, something I know a lot more about now after having worked with hundreds of people is that in both cats and dogs, these type of cancers can materialize and grow extremely quickly and they can there can be no indications and the animal can die in a matter of days and that is a very shocking thing to process mm -hmm. so that that's um my life and death with arnie thank you thank you for sharing that what uh, the, a few things came up as you were talking and if it's okay i'll i'll um i'll ask a few questions that kind of came to my mind arnie was in your life 
prior to your do you reconnecting with your husband? Yes. Do you feel do you feel you were talking about Arnie really teaching you that aspect about really feeling unconditional love and accepting being loved? Do you feel I'm gonna cry? Do you feel he was instrumental in preparing you to receive the love that you now have? A thousand percent, yes. <laughs> He was instrumental in allowing me to begin to really love myself. Mm. And until you can, I believe, really love yourself and be kind to yourself and be supportive to yourself, it's difficult to be in other types of relationships. And it's difficult to choose partners if you don't have a baseline of worth and self-love. And so I think Arnie laid a lot of that foundation. One of the most powerful questions that I was asked when I was doing my grief work around Arnie was, what does Arnie love about you? Mm. Not that I fed him, not that I dressed him up in cute little outfits sometimes, not that I taught him. <laughs> oh, I have to see pictures of cute little You know, um, but what does Arnie love about you as a person? And I remember staring at that question because I always took my notebook to my grief counseling and I, um, I stared at the question and I had a very hard time answering that because it was hard for me at that time to really talk about what I loved about me because I had such high expectations for myself and such you know demands that were self-imposed about my success and my career and my everything, everything, everything. That was a great piece of reflection. But working through that question, working through my relationship with Arnie, believing that everything he believed about me was true, laid a foundation for me to really improve my relationship with myself and in turn opened me up to a much more healthy and loving relationship with my husband, which had never, um, I had never had a healthy and loving relationship in that way before. And I think it did also open me up to the idea of being a parent because I was adamantly child-free by choice for many years. I don't think I would have been even open to that idea if I hadn't learned so much about love and possibility of love with Arnie. So beautiful. You know, the, the part of seeing yourself through the eyes of another, that part I think is huge. And, and, and in this case, when reframed to your pet it really does come down to your true core because like you said there it's not just about the food we give them the walks it's like who it, it really makes us kind of take away those layers i'm going to ask myself that question and write journal that so thank you so much i think it's really powerful uh so thanks to your therapist for asking it to you and thank you for you to you to for sharing it here and i'm sure you use it with your clients as well I want to ask you regarding you being pregnant and, and, and you're here in your first trimester, Arnie passes away. Thank goodness you had already been doing some of this anticipatory grief support and work, but take us into this journey of this joy that you have and this sorrow at the same time. Yeah, that's a great question. In my work now, it's amazing. I get many pregnant women or newly new moms 
they they come to me <laughs> and i think it's so powerful because i am able to really pass on this experience to others because it's very unique yes you are very focused on your pregnancy i think you know when you are in early for me anyway when i was in early pregnancy i was very focused on what i could do for the baby you know am i eating the right things am i doing all the you know doing all the things i can do and naturally that takes away a little bit from our relationship with our animals there's kind of a different focus and so there was definitely some feelings of like did I show up as much for Arnie once I was pregnant, right? And we had had a very whirlwind few months. I did a surprise proposal to my husband on the stage at the Hollywood Bowl in front of 18,000 people during Sing Along Sound of Music. <laughs> oh my goodness, is that film? Yeah. That's probably out there somewhere. I'm sure a lot of YouTube things went viral probably. Yes, it's definitely out there. It was They never had a proposal before, so I had it all orchestrated. It was very fun. And then we got married just a couple of weeks later. And so we had had a very whirlwind sort of fall. And then we got pregnant um, a month after we were married. So, you know, it a very busy kind of transitional time. And so I, I was already kind of distracted by a lot of that in some ways. And that was um, a hard thing to think about when I think about the timing of, of Arnie's death. But of course, I think my first thought and a lot of people's first thought that I've worked with is, is my grief going to harm my baby in utero? Is my grief going to be bad for the baby? And um, my pregnancy was already high risk at that point. And I went to all my doctors and did all this research, like I'm crying a lot. I'm sad. I'm releasing all these sad chemicals. Like, is this going to hurt the baby? And they all reassured me, nope, baby's not going to be harmed. Baby's protected and safe, you know. And that was very comforting for me because it made me feel like I could grieve. It made me feel like I could express how I was feeling. And then I started to think about it and I thought, I don't know anything about this child yet, but I want to teach them what it means to love and what it means to grieve. And I want to have a very healthy relationship with them about grieving. I think when we are a very grief illiterate culture, as you know, Kendra, that's why you're doing the work you're doing. And I wanted to, I wanted to model that for my child, even though I was pregnant. I, I really wanted to be like, you know what? I'm going to teach this baby right now that it's okay that we're grieving a family member and that this is how we grieve. And part of grief means showing your grief and expressing your grief and talking about your grief. So that helped me reframe my experience from, oh, no, I'm going to harm the baby to I'm modeling for the baby what grief can look like and that it's okay to grieve. Um, Arnie died around uh, 8 o'clock at night on a Sunday and Monday morning. The OBGYN office called and said, we have your gender results. Do you want them right now? <laughs> this is like at 8 a.m. I've been up all night crying. And I said, it's a boy. I bet it's a boy, <laughs> you know. And she's like, how did you know? I was like, I don't know. I just know. So I did spend that day after Arnie died trying to put together a little reveal celebration for my husband, which included going down to the grocery store and getting some balloons. And I started crying getting the balloons. Um, and the balloon woman there was so lovely. And she said, do you want to talk about it? And I said, yeah. And so we talked for two hours about Arnie the, the day after he died with the balloons at the grocery. Did she think you were, as you were getting the balloons, she's probably not understand. She's probably thinking, what is she crying about? Like maybe she wanted a girl, like she's getting a boy. She probably had no clue what she was opening up by saying, do you want to talk about it? 
<laughs> she really didn't, but she was so sweet. And she started talking to me about her German shepherd who had died. You know, just the whole conversation oh. began. Um, it, it, but I felt so supported, you know, and, and that's the thing. You know, one thing I've really learned in my experience is, is to talk about our pet loss, talk about what we're going through, normalize and validate it for everybody because you never know you sharing your experience as she opened she was crying about her German Shepherd with me, you know, at, at that point, it, 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 that was a very profound experience. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a balance the whole time. It was a real balance of welcoming this new soul into our family and saying goodbye to another piece of our family. And it was very, um, it was a difficult time. And one of the things, and I think I told you this earlier that made it a lot easier for me is when we decided to name our son yeah, we named our son's middle name after Arnie. And that has been probably the best thing I ever could have done for my grief because now I feel like he is permanently in our family forever and in a very important place of honor. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, I remember when we had our conversation prior to recording, which I don't do often with guests. I don't get to chat too much prior to recording, but we did get to chat and finding that out was just so beautiful. What a way, beautiful way to honor Arnie. So now let's go into you. Okay. You have your son, you've experienced being a client of a, of a pet grief support coach. Now, how did you transition into you deciding this is 2019 that you went through Arnie's passing and then how did you decide, wait a minute, this is something I now can do? Well, the journey actually began in 2018. In the summer, we were doing a routine visit for Arnie at the specialty hospital where his oncologist was, which is also an emergency animal hospital. And Arnie was in good shape. He was in remission. It was regular checkup. And so I was sitting there with Arnie in the waiting room. And there was a woman next to me. She was in her 70s. She was alone, and she didn't have an animal with her. And then there was a couple ac across the way from us who had a dog. And the dog began having a seizure right there in the waiting room, which was very scary. And so the vet techs came and they took the dog and the couple went back and the woman next to me just burst into tears. And I thought, I mean, we were both upset by the event. And so something happened and I just, I, I don't know, something came over me. That's the only way I can say it. I stood up and I moved and I sat right next to her and I just held her hand. And I said, what brings you in today? And she told me that her three-year-old cat, who was this beautiful Russian blue baby, just like my Madonna, just like my childhood cat, that her cat had um, ingested some lily water. So lilies are very toxic to cats. Please don't ever send lily flowers to anyone you love who has cats. She didn't know how toxic lilies were. And she had unknowingly, you know, brought them into her home and her cat had ingested some water from them or some pods from them or something. And the emergency hospital was telling her they were probably going to have to euthanize the cat. And as she was telling me this story, I could just feel something happening. It was, a, it was divine. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And I just suddenly knew what to say. I knew what to do. I knew I had to hold the space for her. I knew what to ask. I knew, I just knew. My husband actually had, was meeting me at the appointment, so he actually took Arnie and went uh, to the appointment with him. And I stayed with her for the rest of the experience that day, and she did have to, to um, euthanize the cat. And it was very powerful to 
do that with her and to companion her on that journey. And at the end of the day, she turned to me and she said, I just feel like you were an angel here. She goes, I don't know what I would have done. I, I um, didn't have anybody to call and I'm just so grateful you were here. And I feel like I can really get through this now because you were here. And I made sure she got home okay. And I walked out into the parking lot. I'll never forget. I was working full time in television development at this point. I mean, I was still an entertainment person. And I looked up at the sky and it was dark. And I said, this, something is changing in my life right now. And I'm going to start doing this. So I immediately called my own pet loss grief therapist. And I said, I said, I had this thing happen and I just felt like I was channeling you. And, you know, she was really excited about it. Um, and and uh, we had a good chat. I mentioned it to my, my other therapist as well. And I was like, hey, I think I want to do this with my life, but I don't know how. I don't know how that would ever happen. I mean, you know, because I, I was leading a very different life. And after Arnie died, I, I felt the same way. I felt called to it. It feels like a calling to me. And so I made the decision to leave Los Angeles and my full-time entertainment career. And as all that was happening, I said, this is what I'm going to do next. And so I began my trainings and my certifications and my mentoring. I mentored under my um, Pellas grief therapist for a long time to gain her wisdom because she's been doing this for, I think, 40 or 50 years. She's, she's been at it a long time. And so I just, I just began because I knew I had to. I knew I couldn't not do it. It's kind of how it felt. That's that's the part. It's like you knew you could not not do it. It's like that part. It's you know that it's you have yeah you just have to. It's a calling, and when it's a calling, you got to respond. And it's interesting because it is really different than what you were doing, right? But it's your life experiences that led you to be who you are now, and in reality, maybe who you've always been, right? Yeah, I. I've had a lot of interesting things happen in my entertainment career and in my writing career and in my teaching career. I also have done a lot of teaching, but this is the first time for me that I feel like I'm in total alignment with my gifts and my values and my personal kind of mission in life. This is the, the first time I have total alignment and it feels really great to, to do something that means so much to me. And it feels really great that I get to go to work and show up as Arnie for people. <laughs> you know, I get to be a place of acceptance and understanding and support and help during some of the worst times that people are ever going through. So it's a great gift to me to be able to do the work. And, and let's talk about that part. When someone experiences the death of a family member that is human, uh, a human family member, let's put it that way, because that it's very different how society views that than how they view the death of a family member that's a pet. So talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about society about that and supporting then the individual when they feel no one else is really seeing them and their grief. 100%. So pet loss is a type of grief that we would call disenfranchised grief, which means it is not recognized by our society at large. There is no time off at most companies for pet bereavement. There's no discounted airfares for pet bereavement. Um, nobody's lining up with casseroles and uh, sympathy cards. In fact, uh, for many people, when they share that they've just lost an animal companion, some of the common responses are things like, Oh, well, when are you going to get another one? As if 
an animal is replaceable or well it was just a dog or at least it wasn't a child or well you know he had a good long life you know any of these things that end up feeling extremely dismissive <laughs> to a grieving pet guardian so you're right that this is a very difficult thing to find validation about but another way that it's very hard for pet guardians is that for many people and myself included the relationship with their animal has been the most intimate relationship they have ever had in their entire life. And when I say intimate, I am talking about all those emotional pieces that I discussed earlier of the feelings of acceptance, the feelings of nurturing, the feelings of purpose. Um, but on top of that, it's also the physical touch. Many people physically touch their animals more than they touch their spouse in a day, myself included, right? I mean, there's this level of physical intimacy. There's this level of routine, right? There's this level of talking to. There's many people who talk to their animals more in a day than they do their spouse because that's the way life is. And most people or many people feel more connected in certain ways to their animals than they do even to other people in their household or to their parents. And A of all, that's totally okay. That's a real thing that people feel. But B, when that intimacy is gone and that routine is gone, it's devastating. It's disorienting. It's shocking. And your brain, frankly, doesn't know what to do. And you're not being validated by society. Many people, you know, they'll show up at first. They'll say nice things the first week, the, you know, the first couple of weeks, just like with humans. But as time goes on, a grieving pet guardian is still learning to cope with not going on the morning walk or not feeding the food bowls or waiting for their dog to you know run up and greet them when they come home the emptiness the quietness the lack of touch the lack of connection they're still experiencing that for weeks and weeks and months and months and everyone else has kind of fallen away and nobody wants to hear about the dead dog anymore you know or people feel self-conscious to bring it up because they think they shouldn't be grieving as much so it is a very difficult experience for a pet guardian and add to the fact that it's completely unrecognized and unsupported in our culture although i'm working on changing that i'm we're working on it um it, it it's a very lonely experience and it can make the grief journey lonely and very hard yes you know as you're saying that as you're talking evie just walked up to me here i'm petting her as we're talking about about this and Evie, for me, like, I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you when we're talking, but she came to my life right after my mom passed away. So her pickup day was the anniversary, like my mom's birthday. So my, 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 the first birthday we were going to have without my mom being on this earthly plane was our pickup day for Evie. And for me, like she's been with us five and a half years, but what she represents as well in me is she's been my companion in my own grief journey, right? Yep. So, and for other people too, their pet has been the one that's been there in so many milestones of their life, way more than anybody else. And like you said, in things like when you got home from a bad day, like who was there to be there by your side without judgment, without judgment and just be by your side be with you when you're crying, be with you when you're happy. Be, It's just amazing. And, and this could be the same for any other type of pet. Of course, I relate it with, you know, dogs just because that's what I have for you. It's been cats for other people. It could be their bird, their lizard, their snake, their horse, whatever. Horses, their horse. Oh, well, yeah, rats, yeah. Yeah. Rats. Yeah. 
so many gerbil like yours or you know your beta fish that you had actually that was our kids first uh grief experience was the passing the death of one of our our fish and when fishy died he was six years old so a goldfish that lived to be six years old that was major amazing and (laughs) major and we yeah and we did on her and we did have and it was it was hard you know i'm just so grateful that we're having this conversation grateful that there are people like you that are out there to support people that are going through this uh, type of grief when society does not see it as such so thank you now i want to ask you something and maybe you've been asked this before but as a writer is there a a book in your brain somewhere in there that will be coming out because I can just see that in your future. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. So be on the lookout. Okay, tell us. Is there any little bit you can tell us? Well, you know, um, I, I am a writer. I write in many genres. I love writing and uh, everyone's asking <laughs> for, for the book. And you know, grief, and I'm sure you know this, you've probably read all the big grief books. I've read all the big grief books. I've read all the pet loss books. And I think for me, as I think about this, you know, my, uh, one of the reasons my Instagram is, is so popular is that I do sort of come at things always from a slightly different perspective than a lot of the regular pet loss narrative. <laughs> and I, 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 I'm very real. I tell it like it is, obviously supportive and I'm loving, but we also laugh. <laughs> we laugh about some of this stuff. We really are trying to, in, in my community that, that I have on Instagram, I'm really trying to let people share whatever weird thing they're feeling, whatever, you know, a lot of people are like, am I crazy for blah, blah, blah. And, you know, as, as long as what you're doing and your grief is not self-destructive, I am very supportive of whatever you need to do to get through this. Because what I need people to do is survive this. And I, I mean that very sincerely. This will take you. This could kill you. So you have to make a decision to survive it. And if that means, you know, wrapping up in your pet's bed every night and, and sleeping with the bed, or if that means continuing to fill the food bowl, whatever you need to do, you do it. That's a that's sort of a, a thing that a lot of people haven't talked about with pet loss before. Um, and also, you know, the idea of continuing the relationship is a huge thing for me that um, I think needs a lot more attention. Um, my relationship today with Arnie is deeper, more profound, and more evolved than it was when he died three and a half years ago. And a lot of people don't believe me when I say that, but I have continued my relationship with him. He is not in his earthly body, but we are still in a relationship and I am still receiving gifts from him and I'm still communicating with him. I don't mean in a psychic or telepathic way, but I mean our relationship continues. And one of the things I work with the most with my clients, aside from things like guilt and shame and regret and all the other things, you know, that that um, they're experiencing is um, how to keep this relationship going, how to continue the bond. It's not over. It's 100% not over. And everything that your animal taught you, guidance, teachings, lessons, you have it all. You know, many people think when my animal dies, I'm going to lose all these things that I felt when they were there. No, you're not. It's all in there. But sometimes it's hard to access. Sometimes it's hard to lean into because we have so much sorrow. So in a book (laughs) that I would write... (laughs) I would want to be talking about some of these things. I would want to be talking about the continuing bonds. I would want to be talking about normalizing a lot of our grief responses and reactions. And I also want to think very carefully about how to structure a book. You know, people in grief have a hard time reading books. 
it's a lot to sit down and read paragraphs and pages and that can feel very overwhelming. I would think very carefully about how to present a book because readers and books don't always go well together. So I would really want to think carefully about how to make it accessible for the grief brain, which is different than regular life brain. There will be a book. Uh, it's it's in the works, but I'm also giving it a lot of thought about, you know, what I want to include and how I want it to be. So thanks for asking. Oh, well, just excited and looking forward to that and having you on the podcast when that book comes out as well. So thank you so much. Now, is there anything I did not ask you that you would like to share with our listeners? I would love to say a couple things to the listeners about how to support somebody going through pet loss grief. Please. You know, and a little bit about how to support yourself if you're going through it too. But one of the things that we can immediately do to help anybody who's in this situation of either anticipating a loss, which is a whole different uh, niche that I work in that I'm very passionate about. I'm very passionate about helping people as they're navigating an end-of-life experience with their animal. Uh, so whether you have a friend who's going through that or going through a loss um, a, that has just happened, reach out to them. <laughs> reach out to them. Say the animal's name. Ask about the animal. Text pictures. If you have them, share a story or memory of them. Please use the animal's name. Talk about the animal because one of the things that is so meaningful to pet guardians is to feel like their animal mattered to people and that their animal is not forgotten. So um, one thing I recommend is the minute you find out your uh, friend has a pet loss, put it in your calendar the day that it happened and do weekly check-ins. Hey, just thinking about you. You don't have to acknowledge that it's a two-week or the four-week anniversary. Your friend will know it's the two-week anniversary or the four-week anniversary or the six-month anniversary. But just make a habit in your calendar. Hey, check in, check in with Beth about Arnie today. Just send a text. I'm thinking of you. Um, and I, I know you're grieving Arnie and he might be having a rough day. And I, I'm thinking of both of you, right? That's all you need to do. And set it in your calendar for every month on that day and for the year on that day. We all have automated calendars that will do it for us. It's the easiest thing imaginable. And treat this loss like you would a human loss. So whatever you would do, people ask me all the time, should I send flowers? Should I send a sympathy card? Should I take food? Yes, yes, and yes. Treat this loss as if it's a parent or a child or a sibling. Don't make anything different <laughs> than you would. So send food, send gift cards for food because nobody feels like cooking. Send, um, send, you know, comfort items, you know, tea or blankets or anything. Cut, go, go on Etsy and get a portrait made of the animal using a picture that you take off their social media. Acknowledge this loss. And don't just acknowledge it in the first week, you know, acknowledge it throughout the whole year or two years, right? Make a donation in their animal's name to a local shelter or an organization that, that, would, um, that would matter. Something, a trend that I kind of started on Instagram that's really cool is that I told people when you go to the coffee shop, use your animal's name at the coffee shop, you know, when they write the name on the side of the cup and then they call out the name to the whole shop. And people are really doing this all over the world. They're loving it. Um, it makes them feel so good. Use your friend's name at your friend's animal's name at the coffee shop too, and then send them a picture of the cup with their animal's name on it, just to to acknowledge. Yes, your animal mattered to me and mattered to you. So, that's just the message I want to send to people. Don't be afraid to to bring things up about the animal and and really treat this as you would any other death 
and be consistent in your follow-up. That's that's what I want to say to people who might be supporting someone. So perfect. And as you're saying this, I'm like, oh, so emotional. Because I um, my sister's dog passed away, and I remember when she called calling for me to probably support them, and uh, I was just a mess, just as they were. I was like, in the moment, I was just a mess myself. So those relationships are so valid. And what you mentioned about sharing stories and saying their name is something so important. And I just want to even say Callie's name here in this in this podcast here. Callie, we honor you. Yes. You know, one of the things I do, Kendra, I do a monthly live pet memorial service on Instagram on my account. And so every month, um, before the, it's usually around the middle of the month, I put out a request for guardians' names and their animals' names. And I do a live service, remembrance service, um, for animals who have died. And also we actually include animals who might be struggling or suffering or going through a medical challenge as well. And so we gather as a community um, and I read the names of guardians and their animals and it's very moving and very powerful. So if anybody listening to this, if you have an animal that you would like honored in this service, it's a really beautiful time to uh, to be together and have connection and community and celebration. So come over to my Instagram and honoring our animals and keep your eyes peeled. I usually do a call for names um, a few days before the service. I invite all of you to do that, to honor your animals. And, you know, again, if your family member supporting Kendra at Thanksgiving this year or Christmas this year, mm-hmm. um, you know, make a toast to Callie. You know, you know, include include your animals in your holiday celebrations, include them in remembrance at family events. They're still in your family. They will always mm. be family. We, the more we do that, the more we continue our relationship and continue our connection. And that is so helpful for our grief. Yes, absolutely. So thank you to Arnie as well for inspiring this journey that you've taken and now being able to pass it down and pay it forward by you now helping others in their grief journey as well. And I'm just so grateful again for you being on here. So let's just share how people can reach you. I'll make sure to put it on the show notes, but sometimes people just like to hear. So if you don't mind sharing how they can reach you. Absolutely. Well, come on over to my website. My website is honoringouranimals.com. You can find out all about how I work and the different ways I sort of view um, pet loss grief work. And I would um, be happy to uh, do a consultation with anybody who's interested. Also on Instagram, please come on over to my Instagram at Honoring Our Animals. We are having a good time over there. Believe it or not, even though it's grief, it's possible to lose a pet without losing your mind. And we are working on that (laughs) on my account. (laughs) So every day I put out a reel. Um, with uh, pet loss tips and different topics related to pet loss. And uh, I have a lot of great followers who are very supportive in the comments. You can find a lot of community there as well. So, and of course, learn all about the pet memorial service that I do. So um, do please uh, follow, follow me on Instagram or share it with someone who might be struggling, especially our anticipatory friends. You know, this is such an area. If we think pet loss is disenfranchised, anticipatory pet loss is even more disenfranchised. Mm-hmm. And um, people who are experiencing anticipatory grief may be going through all kinds of medical treatments for their animals, giving a lot of medication, having to change their plans, not being able to go on vacation. They can get 
compassion fatigue and caregiver burnout. So really for your anticipatory friends, if you know anybody who's going through this with their animal in their senior years or through an illness, send them my way because I do a lot of content also about the anticipatory part and that's a that's a real passion of mine to help spread that word. So I would love to see any of you on any of my any of my channels. Come find me. <laughs> Yes, I, I shared your account at least with two two friends whose dogs uh, passed. I was like, I don't know what you're needing right now for your grief, but would it be okay if I share with you a page that I think may may be beneficial? I ask permission usually when I before I I send anything anybody's way, and so they both agreed, and so I send them. So I'm sure they're liking your comments a lot. I know one of them for sure is because her her dog was her baby. So I, I know for sure she's following you. And then also to the listeners, Beth's Instagram account, her tips are not just for someone who's dealing with the grief of the death of a pet. I can see a lot of your tips relate to the death or grief of any other type as well. So follow anyway. And just as Beth mentioned, it is also very important to know how to support someone that else that may have this relationship. So if anything, if you don't have a pet, but many of your friends do or family members, follow her anyway, because you will be able to know how to support someone else that's going through something like this. So thank you once again, Beth Bigler here with us today. And cheers to Arnie and to his life and continued bond of love that he has with you. Thank you. Thank you again, Beth. Thank you so much, Kendra. And everybody, uh, last thing I'll just say, be kind to yourself if you're going through this. If you are a pet guardian who's grieving, speak as kindly to yourself as your animal would speak to you. Be nice to yourself. You deserve self-compassion. It's really tough what you're going through. So speak kindly and gently to yourself as you grieve. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, if you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.